This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the Howdy Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Jesse Tedisco. He is the founder of 46 and 2 Wealth Partners, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm in Georgia, as well as the host of The Jesse T Show. His podcast, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on, talks about how to improve your mindset to help you grow in the world of business, health and wellness, and in relationship building. At an early age, Jesse realized he had a knack for being an entrepreneur. As a kid, he would buy and sell comic books and sports cards, as well as shovel snow during the harsh winter months in Boston. This knack turned into a passion to pursue a life of building businesses that would not only impact himself and his family, but all the people he surrounds himself with. In this episode, we chat about how Jesse harnessed the hardships he went through in life to provide the energy and motivation needed for him to escape the dark path he was headed down. Having transformed his entire life around, this episode is great for anyone who needs a boost to take action in their own life. Please welcome to the show, Jesse T. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here, back with another Thrive on Life episode. And today, I am super amped up because I have a new friend of mine here, Jesse T, who's in town from Atlanta, Georgia, here in Austin, Texas. So we're going to kick it right off today, get right into it. We just had a podcast where he was interviewing me, so go check that out. I'll put that in the show notes. But without further ado, I'd love to just welcome Jesse T to the show. How are you doing today? Brother, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Oh, <laughs> I've actually never heard that. Yeah, I heard Hell it yeah. in Atlanta years ago, and I stole it. So Hey, I don't think that person's upset that you stole that. You're just so. spreading, spreading the love. But the first question I want to kind of kick into is what the hell brings you to Austin, Texas this weekend? Everything. Everything. You know, I've I've been called to be in Austin, Texas for over years, learning about South by Southwest years ago. And that interested me as an entrepreneur and wanted someone who wanted to have fun and hearing people like Tim Ferriss and all the people that live here that I'm into. Now Rogan's here, you know, Aubrey, Marcus, Kyle Kingsbury, these guys that I kind of follow their podcast and some of the things they're putting out in the universe, JP Sears, Tim Kennedy, Aaron Alexander. I mean, the list goes on for people that are just amazing here. And and I just have felt a call in my soul for so many reasons to be here. And I'll tell you, brother, it's been the perfect weekend. I uh, I flew down with a friend of mine from Atlanta and we got after everything. 
three anchor points this weekend were Mayan Warrior Festival on Saturday nights, which is like kind of like a Burning Man situation, but just like smaller. Today, doing podcasts on Monday with friends and meeting new people, doing podcasts, being on podcast, and then uh, tonight going to the Kill Tony Comedy Show, which is a podcast here now in Austin, Texas. They do live at Vulcan Gas Company, which he coined himself one of the top young rising comedians in the world. He really is. He's one of Rogan's best friends. So there's all these things we got to have to do, plus Terry Black's, plus all the nightlife stuff, plus you know biking through the city. We've done everything. We've done some cold plunging. We've done some some sauna. We've done some amazing things over at your, your one of your affiliates, Squatch uh, Fitness, Squatch Frontier. So we've done everything pretty much. And I can't wait to come back. You just crushed that intro because <laughs> like you make awesome. Like people wonder why, okay, Austin seems to be blowing up. Yeah. And I, I, I feel it because we're looking at another house and it's just like the real estate market here is like booming. So you start thinking like, is this real? Is this like infatuated? But hearing it from people like you definitely reminds me of, how, how blessed I am to to be here and to just associate with some of those names there. And I, I want to dig a little bit into, okay, like that was a lot to unpack. You were doing a lot. But the cool thing about Austin, Texas is I live here and I didn't even know what half that shit was. Right. So I'd love for you to dig into like, what the hell was the Mayan Warrior Festival? Yeah. And then what is Kill Tony? And just like dive a little further into what true what was it and that truly brought you here because i know from a surface level like oh yeah that sounds cool but what really were you seeking by coming to Austin? my tribes here like people like you people that are high functioning entrepreneurs high functioning hippies so to speak and i'm, I'm an ex-military guy sports guy but i also play in the spiritual world and so it's like i kind of have these uh feet in different areas and like it's all here like it's all here entrepreneurship is here startup you know central is here like in terms of this is like a mini silicon valley in a way and i'm sure people here might even contest that so i don't want to get like into the <laughs> semantics but from someone who's from atlanta who's agnostic to that but you know it's uh the the people are amazing everybody is happy like i'm a happy-go-lucky guy. I smile at people when I walk by them. I say hello. Like this wasn't normal growing up in Boston. It was very much like if you see, if you do that, you can get into a fight with someone. And it was like I just belong somewhere else. And so in my journey in life, I found out about Austin, and it just called to me, man. So Maya Warrior came up on my radar because I've been wanting to go to Burning Man for years since I've kind of gotten into this space. And for those that don't know, what is yeah. Burning Man? Burning Man has been something that's been going on for decades. Of It's like this beautiful community of art, music, festival. It's out in Nevada where you're out on the playa, which is like this big dirt area. I've never been there, but I've seen all about it. And basically, there's a community of like high-functioning hippies. It's people that are entrepreneurs, successful. They're in corporate. They're independent. They're artists. They're all these different things. And they get together for a long time. And it takes like months of planning. And like you rent RVs yeah. and like you got to get stores, which is like food and water. This is like military term. So like, it's, it's like, you have to have all these things and you don't transact anything with money. So from what I've heard, I haven't been, so people who've been may, may say something a little bit different, but what I've talked to people who have been, if you want to trade something, you can like offer a poem or play some music or like whatever it is, like whatever you have to offer as a human being. So it raises this like consciousness of like the way I think things should be. Like yeah. people that should be dancing, people that should be connecting, people that should be loving on each other, people that should be trading insights and ideas and stories. And it's just, plus you get to be like a weirdo when you're out there too, so... Yeah. yeah, you you basically. I went to a workout uh, last week in, by the empowered some empowered men group. Yeah. I forget the the total, full name of it, but basically in that workout, you got to scream, grunt, yell, do yeah. whatever, and it was yeah. like cool to feel like you could just be your natural self. And that's what I what I've seen from Burning Men. But love it. I hope for you to that you get to go to I it will someday. Go for sure. yeah. I know it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so basically the Mayan one was a little bit. 
as you would say, like maybe it's the baby of yeah. Uh, so they they how did it turn out? It was be- It was perfect. The whole weekend's been perfect. Like the like this place is fucking magic. So um, with Mayan Warrior Art Cart, it's actually one of the main attractions at Burning Man. So they're they're okay. always at Burning Man. They've been at Burning Man for years. It's this beautiful consortium of like these folks from Mexico City and all around engineers artists technicians and they put together this huge it looks like a like a pirate ship in a way it's like a pirate ship that just has all these lights and led and lasers and music and there's a a group of anywhere from like 10 to 20 people up there at all times spinning music and singing and you know you have like weird shaman looking dudes that might be doing some weird shit and like it's just really fucking fun and so um i took a friend and we enjoyed the moment and it was better than could be expected the thing about this trip and where i operate now is I have little to no expectations when I go somewhere. So everything blows my mind. Everything blows my mind. And I'm truly there. I'm like, I'm just here to be present. I'm here to experience. I'm here to have fun conversations. I'm here to meet people and do fun stuff. So that like when I leave this life, because up until a few years ago, it was all about, monetary gaining stuff like it was like i have this do this but now it's it's all about the experiences it's about shared experience it's about curious exploration it's about like living my favorite life which is including all these types of events so this has been i'm like a kid on christmas man this is freaking amazing so austin if i had circumstances logistic wise i would want to live here even if part-time yeah so maybe down the road like an airbnb vrbo because I, I you know the beach is my first stop and then maybe austin so we'll see how it turns out hey man you're you're living on the same wavelength one of my buddies uh, who lives in la they he just found two other people to get uh an apartment here Beautiful. and they just rent it so that they can come here every once in a while Hell yeah and basically network and he has a podcast as well so podcast with people while he's here in austin and i'm on that beach life as well so Fortunately, in our family, my mother-in-law, my wife's mom has a beach house, so we spend a little bit of time Where during the summer in LBI, Long Beach Island, New okay. Jersey. Every time we go back there, I'm reminded like there's a couple things I still want. Like everything else in my life, like if I live the life I live today for the rest of my life, like I'd honestly be okay with it. But there are some things like I, I really miss the beach. I feel like I am that type of person. It, it fulfills me. It fills me up with energy and fills my cup. So one of the things that I want to do is I want to have, Austin is going to be like one of our home bases, but I definitely want to have something on the beach. And then I do like the mountains as well, because I like the snowboard um, and just something about the cold air. Like, I don't like that all the time, yeah. but for a couple of weeks at a time, <laughs> by choice, yeah. yeah, by choice, putting yourself through that. Yeah. Like we went to Lake Tahoe earlier this year and I found myself like, I feel like I could write a book here. Like you just get these feelings wow, of these beautiful. different places because yeah. it's just like the snow and the trees and the see the lake and coffee and the smell of coffee and then if you whatever you like to drink that's warm just feels so much better in an environment like that versus here in austin texas where it's like 90 degrees most of the year (laughs) Um, but you mentioned something there that i think i really want to dive into because so many people struggle with it and i was actually talking about this with aaron over the weekend which is expectations like anytime i've ever been let down in life or frustrated it's always because i set an expectation that didn't get met and most of the time that was an imaginary expectation that no one else even sees how did you get to the point and you can go as far back or as close as you want how did you get to the point where you were able to fully embrace the experience that you're having without that expectation because i feel like this is such a struggling point for most people even the people that my, like myself who do meditate, who do work on these things, like I find myself, one of the hardest things to let go of is the expectation of even like yesterday, we drove up to Georgetown to do a photo shoot randomly. 
And I find myself setting expectations on the photo shoot. When am I going to be there? When am I going to be home? Yeah. How's it going to be? When am I going to eat? Like just all these expectations come out of my brain. How do you get to a point where that doesn't happen? It's interesting because I've had a lot of beautiful, incredible, almost unbelievable life experiences. And I got divorced just about two years ago from the airing of this podcast. And it was because I was being shown and called that like it just wasn't the right relationship in terms of a marriage. And now we're really great friends and we're great co-parents, but together it just wasn't working after 13 years and all of these things we experienced together. And in that journey, I was called to do plant medicine work. Um, and so guys like Aubrey and Joe Rogan and all these people that are out here, uh, a lot of them are in Texas, actually Austin, Texas, have had these profound life-changing, you know, even divine experiences with this, this natural medicine that's out there. There's people that use it for party. There's people that use it for whatever, recreation. But I specifically like journey with medicine every, you know, couple, two or three months, very intentionally with very specific intentions to work on things from healing trauma to relationship stuff, to business insights, to all sorts of stuff, even fun stuff. Like one time I asked the medicine to show me what my superpower was and it did. We can talk about that. But basically in this work, from all the spirituality insights that I've done from plant medicines to sweat lodges to meditation to ecstatic dance, like, like I'm into all of it. It really teaches you how to surrender. It teaches you how to essentially give in and let the ego not give a fuck. And it's not easy to do because without these tools, yoga, meditation, all the way to plant medicines and beyond, it's hard to learn how to surrender because we want to control. We want to know an engineering mind like yours or a process-oriented mind like yours is like, I need to know the time. I need to know the logistics. I need to know the distance. I need to know who's going to be there. What's going to happen? Like you want that stuff. But the beautiful things is when you can like let go and stop giving a fuck. One thing you learn is you're happier doing it. But the second thing you learn is everything works out even better than you expected. So when I came to Austin, I only had like three things that I wanted to do and everything else was filler. I've had the best food in my life. I've had the best experiences in my life. I've had incredible moments and all of it was the stuff that I didn't plan for. It was the people I bumped into. It was the moments that we had. It was the impromptu dancing at this pop-up little situation in like this lounge place. It was all the things that I just didn't try to plan for that gave me so much color and joy in the, in the journey. And so I would just say the biggest thing is learning how to surrender through whatever that is. Surrender can come from a friggin' ice bath. We did this the other day coming in, yep. and, which is beautiful, man. This whole, this whole experience is so great. But like ice will teach you how to surrender because if you fight it, it's going to be really hard for you. Or you can just suck it up and say, hey, listen, this is going to suck maybe and this is going to hurt potentially. Like my feet were awful. Like everything felt great. But from the ankle down to my toe, I just like wanted to chop my feet off. For whatever reason, it could be circulation. It could be wearing the sauna. I don't know what it was. But I've done ice baths a bunch of times and that was probably one of the hardest ones. And I just like suck it up, dude. Just like like breathe. Don't fight it. Don't go to the cave like in Fight Club. Like you have like Edward Norton, he goes to these little things and he's like, find your power animal, go in the cave. No, fucking be in the now, be in the present and let it suck. And it's a great, and again, this could be military, this could be growing up rough in Boston, but like hard things make harder people. And, 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 but you can still be soft on the other side of it. You can still surrender, you can still enjoy the moment. So I would say surrender is the biggest thing. That was powerful. I love that. And I love how you kind of jumped from the expectation theme to like the surrendering theme. I think, I mean, if you're talking about two things that in human nature just are two of the toughest things to actually do, yeah. it's reducing your expectations and then surrendering, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Cause like for me as a kid, surrendering to doing what other people told me to do was not an easy thing I'm still there. to do. Bro. <laughs> like that's like, you're asking a very tall order for me to surrender right. to this world. Right. So one of the questions that I have with the surrendering aspect is, has there ever been a time where surrendering has done you wrong? 
I mean, surrender in the sense of giving up. So like, but there's two different meanings for me. So surrender means to fully give into the experience, whatever comes of it may, don't try to control the outcome, surrender to the outcome because you're going to be pleasantly surprised, even if it's a hard thing. But like quitting can be termed as surrender in a certain way, especially like in, in battle or in military, like especially, you know, those types of uh, theaters or scenarios. But that's to me, the bad side of things is when you quit. When you quit on yourself, when you quit on other people, I mean, if you quit something, like I did heroin for like six months, I quit heroin, that's a great thing to quit. But like, if you don't quit, especially in entrepreneurship is like the biggest like ethos I can tell people, if you could make this part of your ethos, if you just fail, fail forward. Like if you try something, marketing, it doesn't work. If you hire a coach, it doesn't work. Like keep going, keep trying, keep failing forward. But as soon as you say, you know what, I don't want to do this business anymore. It's too hard, whatever. And you've quit on yourself. Like you, you may have some regret from that. You may not, but it's, if, when you get older, the one thing I've learned, and I've heard this from a lot of people, plus my own experiences, is like people die on their deathbed with regret. They die on their deathbed for like not asking out the girl or, or not trying that business endeavor or not going on that trip that would have changed their lives. I'm doing everything in my power to not die with regret. And, you know, that might be a little bit of ego, but I think it's more of a soul's journey of saying, knowing what I truly want, what lights my soul on fire, surrendering to moments that are beautiful and, and unexpected. And then the things that I pursue with passion, just if I just don't quit, but if I fail along the way and if I learn from those experiences, like I will succeed. And this is what we talked about when we, you were on my episode. It was like the 20-year overnight success. Like any overnight success, unless it's a rocket ship, unless it's like one, the, the less than 1% that like just hit the ground running and they make millions of dollars and change millions of lives, doesn't normally happen. Like 9.9 entrepreneurs out of 10 don't do that. And if they do, great. Let me interview them. I want to learn from them. But most of us don't. Most of us, it takes years. Like I'm still in my journey. I started one of my companies a couple of years ago and it's still scaling. It's still growing. And it's still like, I still have to make wise choices and I'm not like buying yachts and buying mansions. And like, and not that I even want those things, but I'm not there yet. So I would just say, there's a difference because that's the narrative of the surrender. But like the quitting for me is not that it's unacceptable because I love myself if I do it, but like just don't quit. And that's that, that could be a form of surrender, I guess. Yeah. So you mentioned a word outcome there. And I think the key to me, what I'm hearing, and I think for the audience is that surrendering to the process and surrendering to the outcome are two different things. Yeah. When you surrender to the process of something, you actually, no matter what the outcome is, you're going to win. So a good example is like you're on a road trip and you're surrendering to the process of the road trip. At that point, no matter what happens, if you're just enjoying the fact that you're on this road trip and you don't have any time frame, you get a flat tire, just like maybe that saved me from getting in an accident. Who knows? Maybe I have that abundance mindset, right? Versus we got to get here at this certain time and then we got to go do this certain thing. And then I think what most people operate on is that ladder where they're always focused on the outcome yep. rather than the process. And it seems like you flipped the script and really focused on the process side of things. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to learn a little bit more about your overall journey because yeah. again, we are fortunate to get connected through our buddy Todd, and I was super excited to be on your podcast. And I don't really know much about outside of your entrepreneurial endeavors and how much you love Austin, Texas, clearly. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you're from Boston, Massachusetts. How long were you there? And then where are some other places that you live? I've lived an incredible life, man, and seen a lot of things. And so some of the cliff notes are born and raised in a town called East Boston, Massachusetts, which is very particular in the type of person that comes from there. Very... Uh, loyal to their community, very kind of rough around the edges, uh, not afraid to get into a street fight a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I grew up with a single mom. My dad at the time had chosen drugs and he, had, he was on drugs for close to 30 years. He cleaned up for like the last 12 years of his life, which was beautiful to see. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But for 30 years, 
maybe a little bit less of my life, uh, I had a heroin addict for a dad. And my dad was a high school hero in sports. Like he threw it all away. Like he was an amazing basketball player. He, he had like pretty much world-class speed. Like he had all these gifts and he was lauded as like this guy that was coming out of East Boston to like do great things for sports. And then like the summer before he went to college, he found drugs or drugs found him and he threw away his life. Essentially, he's kind of had a battle back and forth. And so I had that background, that shadow. I went to the same high school. A lot of the same people that he went to school with became like either teachers or security or like people like faculty of some sort. And like, I would be playing sports and I didn't have the gifts like he did. And so like, I'd always hear people like chirping at me, like saying, Oh, if you were half as fast as your dad or whatever. And so like, I kind of was behind his ghost a little bit, but not in a good way. Cause it wasn't like he went on to do great things. Yeah. And so like, it just made it mentally and emotionally abusive. And it was like, all right. And so, but, and then I also got bullied for like maybe three or four years by a group of kids. And it was because I think not having a father figure to show me how to stand up for myself and show me how to step into my power, essentially, I just like took ass- physical beatings for years and it made me tough as shit. Like I, I later in years in martial arts, it helped because I was I used to get my <laughs> ass kicked. And so, um, but during that time in Boston, we grew up without very much money. We were pretty much broke. Like there were times in the winter where we didn't have heat. Uh, so we used the stove to try to heat up some portion of the house. Uh, there was times where we didn't have a lot of food. And so like, I learned pretty early on about scarcity, but it, in my mind, I was like, what can I do to have the things I want? What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Jesse. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Jesse T. I started working at an early age, like you talked about this, you know, on my show, but for me, it was shoveling snow. Sometimes I'd get paid and sometimes the old ladies would jip me and like, give me coffee yeah. and like cookies or something, like whatever. But I learned how to start making money on my own. I was into comic books and baseball cards and I was collecting comics and I had a buddy named Paul Mishuli and his grandfather had this store, I think it was called the Rookie Shop, a rookie store. And his grandfather would like buy and sell and trade collectibles. And so I learned how to do that. And so I started doing that on my own before Gary Vee was even a thing. And he's like telling you how to do this stuff. Like I, I just innately was attracted to having what I didn't have. And like, whether that was the new Jordans or the new Nintendo game, whatever it was, I wanted to go get it. Started working young, working my first official job when I was 13, cleaning up like parks around Boston. It's called red shirts and the red, and they had different color shirts, but the red shirts would go and clean up like a lot and like make it look pretty. And like, this is something I would do during the summer. And so because I didn't have the infrastructure monetarily, I kind of set myself on this journey of entrepreneurship, of learning, and then of how to create money which is all that I do today. And so fast forward through that process, some of the highlights or or, or important parts are 
I ended up starting selling drugs for a couple of years. I went from weed to Oxycontin to taking Oxycontin to then taking heroin to then shooting heroin. And so it's like I went, I became my dad. And it was one of the most powerful experiences because later on, I only had two years of experience with it. I left for the military and that changed my life. But like later on when my dad cleaned up, we had this interesting bond where I understood where he came from. I understood the shit he went through. I understood like the hard thing that he put on himself. But like once you're in it, you can't really get out of it. And so it's like, we had this weird kind of sick little bond, but like I understood him more than most. And it, when he became clean, it was one of those things where we became like really close. And so for me, my journey was separate. I left for the military, joined the Navy my, at my mom's behest. My mom was ex-Vietnam War veteran, badass, just like fucking tough as nails, used to beat the shit out of us for discipline, like for punishment, like belts and whatever, and kind of had that. The old school. Instilled in me, yeah. Like I had that like toughness instilled in me, disciplinarian. And so my mom at one point was like, she's like, you're, you went from being this kid that was big into sports, you know, I played b baseball, basketball, football, all those sports pretty much off and on throughout those years in Boston. And then she's like, you've worked since you were young and now you kind of got into the wrong crowd and started doing the wrong thing. Like you're going to end up dead or in jail. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And I was like, this isn't my life. Like my life is meant for more, but I, I put myself in a trap I couldn't get out of. So long story short, my mom in my ear, had other military influences. And my dad's side was Pearl Harbor, World War II veteran. So like, and he was a very powerful figure. My grandfather, Papa T, on my dad's side was very powerful in my life. And so I had these archetypes of discipline, of military, plus I had my own initiative, motivation, skill set prior to doing drugs that like I still had a really good chance, I guess. And so my mom was like, you need to just get out of Boston. Like mm. go join the military. And I did. Joined the Navy. Uh, ended up going straight to boot camp at Great Lakes, uh, Chicago, Illinois. Call it great mistakes, joking around like a lot of people do, but it's just really funny. So I went to Great Lakes, and like my life changed around immediately. I went back to having purpose, having discipline, having structure, having teammates, having people around me that were a shared mission. I was a part of a, a 900 division, which is all men. It's like the top scoring on the ASVAB, which is like the entrance exam to the military. It's the people that did the best on the PT. So it was like kind of this like cream of the crop, and like I had so much empowerment from like having something positive in my life for not having something for a couple of years. And so like it, I just immediately like went on this track of becoming what they call Joe Navy, which is like the sharpest, the best, like just following this like success ladder. Long story short, did it for a few years. My mom got sick with cancer, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, which at 3C, which is like just before terminal. And so I got really freaked out. I went up to Boston, saw my mom, thought she was dying, decided to change everything about where I wanted to go with the military, thought I wanted to move back to Boston, be close to my mom. Got out of the military, moved back to Boston, found out and my mom initially lived for another eight years before she passed. And so I ended up, when I went back to Boston, I was very skeptical about it because when I had left, it was a lot of my friends were like either dead or in jail or heading down that path, doing something with drugs. I had like my good set of friends, but then I had like my set of friends mm -hmm. that were like into like hustling and drug dealing and all that stuff. And I was like, if I stay here, there's a chance that I'll get back into that, those things. And so I had a sister living in Atlanta, Georgia, close to Atlanta at the time, two sisters, two older sisters, one of them. She's like, listen, you just got back from the military. You haven't really dug back in yet. She's like, why don't you just come down for the summer? And in your story, you're telling me about coming to Houston, Texas from where you were. And you're like, why the hell would I want to go to Houston, Texas, right? And I'm like, in my mind, even though I've seen some of the world in the Navy, I hadn't seen Atlanta, Georgia. So in my mind, I'm like thinking, you know, dramatically tumbleweeds are blowing by. It's going to be really boring. <laughs> like, I don't want to be there. I freaking moved down to Atlanta after the military, brother, and it was the best move I ever made in my life. In 2006, and life has been incredible ever since then. So basically, when I moved down, move with my sister, I experience all this beautiful stuff. Similar to like Austin, like beautiful people from all different places, yep. all different vibes, successful, like, and like, it just added onto that military experience where I kept on going towards things that were light lighting me up. And so long story short, I got into sales, 
did really well with sales, uh, ended up owning an outside sales company with about 35 people that would go door to door selling fun stuff like Groupon, like tickets to sporting events, restaurants, hotels, golf courses. And they would go business to business, knock on doors. And I did that too. So I learned how to do outside sales and like it's, it, it served me to this day. But uh, through that, and at the time, my then girlfriend, who became my wife, and now we're since divorced after 13 years, we got pregnant. And we got pregnant with our daughter, Alana. And Alana was a healthy pregnancy. Uh, labor and delivery was 40 hours. And my ex-wife, who's one of my best friends and a complete badass, we're very lucky to have this relationship we have, she uh, gave birth to Alana, and Alana came out injured at delivery, meaning she wasn't dead, but like basically when they pulled it out, her body was like floppy. Like, so she, there was something that dramatically happened during the birthing process. Oh my God. So, yeah. So they put her in the ICU for children, which is the NICU, and they, they put her on machines and life support immediately. And so we're just like, all right, we just had a baby. We're supposed to have yeah. you know, this bouncing, screaming bundle of love. And it's like, there's a chance our, most likely our daughter's not going to survive. You know, full term, actually a week or two after. Um, and she just, what happened was somewhere along the lines, her airway was compromised to, to her oxygen was compromised to her brain. So like basically like her brain wasn't functioning the right way. And so for seven days, she's in the NICU and we just, we kind of, the writing's on the wall. We just know that she's not going to make it. And so the only thing she ever responded to is I would rub her left foot and it would like move just like the little bit, little bit. So that the nurses that were part of the NICU were frigging angels. Like they took care of her. They took care of us. They were so powerful and like with love and peace as best they could. But at the, the seventh day, the doctors talked to, they're like, listen, most likely she's going to be on machines for the rest of her life with no signs of life. Like you can try to do that or you can let her go. And so wow. we decided to let her go. And at that point, I hadn't held my daughter yet. My wife did when she was born. But because they wanted her mom to hold the baby as soon as the baby was born, they pretty much as soon as she held her, they took her right into the NICU. And I hadn't had a chance to hold my daughter. And I'm I love being a dad. Like I have two sons now, which is great. But at this point, like I was looking forward to all this. And so yeah. anyway, so we get, we got the decision to, we made the decision to let her go. And I held her for the first time and they took her up the life support. And in my arms, I held her in my arms for like what felt like about 15 minutes. My, what, my ex-wife seems to think it was less, but I think it was about 15 minutes. And she fought and fought and fought and fought to, to stay alive. But then she ended up passing away. So that was like a big pinnacle moment where you talk to me about time for Thrive being the most important thing. I usually wear uh, a medallion that says Memento Mori. We talk yeah, about stoicism. Yeah. And uh, Memento Mori says like, know that you're mortal, know that you must die. And for me, that means like live the fuck out of life. If I know today is truly a gift, like it's cliche, it's the present, but like yesterday is the past. We don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We only ever have now. That's a, like, even when it was the past, it was now. So if we only have now, what am I doing with my life? What conversations am I going to have? What things am I doing for my health and wellness? What am I doing in my spirituality journey? What am I doing for my relationships? And I was taught very succinctly in that moment with my daughter passing away to really try to live life. But in that moment, that, I didn't know it then. I, was, yeah. I got depressed. I was drinking. I got fatter, like all these different things. I was running a business. I lost my interest to run the business. I actually shut the business down within three months, all this stuff. Moved back because we were in Charlotte at this point. Moved back to Atlanta where my ex-wife is from and started over and got back into sales and this time working for my somebody else so I didn't have to have like all the stress and responsibility of running a business. And then that career led into banking, which continued from that initial scarcity mindset, wanting to learn how to build wealth. I wanted to learn more about finance and did really well in banking. Uh, became a branch manager, business banker, did it for four or five years. But by the end of that four or fifth year, I was still, something was calling my soul. My entrepreneurial roots were like, you can do this by yourself. Like, but I was still not quite ready. So in banking, I got out in about 2015 after five years of a great career there. 
different banks, SunTrust, PNC, RBC Bank, all these different banks. And a recruiter had reached out to me from State Farm. And they're like, listen, we want, we think you'd be a great fit to be a State Farm agent. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do insurance, but you know, I do want to be an entrepreneur again. They started talking to me. They're telling me they have a bank, State Farm Bank. They're telling me they have financial planning services, which is really what I was going towards when I left banking. I wanted to become a financial advisor, wealth manager, because I just it looked alluring to me. It looked fun. It looked interesting. It looked like I could actually help people more than just banking. And so I was going into State Farm to be an entrepreneur, to do financial planning, to do banking and the insurance piece, which is like homeowner insurance, auto insurance, life insurance. Like I would hire people that were good at that and I could do the financial piece. So long story short, getting into State Farm, did it for a year and a half, hated it. It wasn't really my business. It was my name on the door, the Jesse Tedesco agency, but State Farm was like the overhang and it was like people had control of my destiny. And we talk about, you talk about this earlier, but like, and the worst person in the world, my sales leader, who was like my arch nemesis, if you had like Superman and Lex Luthor, that's who we were. And like, we almost got into a fight the first two weeks before I opened my office because he came into my office telling me about his new cell phone and I was busy painting the walls with no heat and it was like nine degrees in Georgia. And like, I just didn't have time to talk about his cell phone in the moment. And like, I was like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, it was but then he said something about like his card had like a SIM card and like, and I'm like, but bro, didn't you ever hear of like the cloud? Like you don't even need SIM card. Like just whatever. Like I was yeah. just joking with him. He took offense to it. Like we got in this weird conversation and it almost came to blows. Like it was really weird. And like, as I'm walking him out of my office, I'm like, all right, well, you're obviously not going to be my leader. Like in my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to follow you across yeah. the street. Like I want to throw you across the street, but I'm not going to follow you across the street. So long story short, year and a half in, I was like, you know what, this isn't for me, but I've gained all these licenses. I got six or seven licenses for insurance and financial planning. I got all this experience on top of what I already had. And I'm like, I'm just going to go do this myself. So I opened up Tedisco Financial in February of 2017 after I shut down uh, State Farm. Tedisco Financial was uh, investments, insurance, uh, you know, things like mutual funds, annuities. And again, I wasn't quite on the path of where I wanted to be, but I was getting closer. So I was like, if I build my book of business for two years with Tedisco Financial, then I can become the wealth manager that I've always wanted to be. And that's what I did. So I ran Tedisco Financial for a couple of years, bringing on clients, people like entrepreneurs, executives, people that were sharp, successful, but really didn't have the time or interest to want yeah. to do the planning. I'd come in and show them as much as I could how to do it. But again, very limited and not completely my own business because even though I was independent with Tedisco Financial, I was assigned to a broker dealer. Like I had a broker dealer that I could get securities transactions through. And I still needed that full spectrum experience of being completely independent. So after two years of building Tedisco Financial, I end up consciously hiring a coach named Patrick Tucker. Patrick Tucker is an amazing investment advisor. He's a fiduciary, which for people that don't know that term, fiduciary just means you're a financial planner that by law cannot fuck over your clients. It means that you don't sell products, you don't sell services, you give advice. And this is where I thrive is like giving people advice in any area of life. And it's because I'm a student. I learned so much. I could just regurgitate what I learned and there you go. And so Patrick, amazing human being, he taught me how to open up a registered investment advisory firm, an RIA, which is an independent office. You, you're not connected to a broker dealer, you're not selling products or services, you have a series 65 or a, you know, a CFP or a CFA, and these are designations you have as a financial planner. And basically you can run your business how you want and no one tells you what to do. And I'm like, yes, I'm in. So from 2019 until present day 2021, I've been running 46 and two wealth partners. It's a fee-only financial planning firm. We advise clients on how to live life through happy wealth. And happy wealth is this idea where it's contrarian in every way. Like I don't wear suits. I don't speak a certain way. Like this is how I talk to people. I talk to people about psychedelics. I talk to people about, because it's a full spectrum journey. Like the people that I'm connecting with, like yourself and other people, entrepreneurs, executives, they're doing these same things too, but they just need help with money management. And so I give them advice on wherever life intersects with money. If they want to scale their business, if they want to buy a boat, if they want to go on vacation more, because along with 
financial health, I believe in being physically healthy. And I believe that you have to be physically healthy to be an entrepreneur. The, the more fit you are, the better you'll show up for your clients. And it's this full spectrum conversation where, yes, I'm giving them a lot of information about financial planning and, and investment management, but I'm giving these other tidbits. Like a lot of my clients like have been like, should you be a personal or a life coach or should you do like, like these questions come up. And so there's this writing on the wall, where it's just like this full spectrum advisory. So through that journey, along with the business, I've also started a podcast three years ago called the Jesse T show, much like you guys, like Tim Ferriss and you know, other people that I'm, I'm into inspired me to share the journey of other people, but also start sharing my journey as well. Like some of the things I've told you. And it completely freed me. It completely opened me up. Like I wasn't carrying shame around anymore for being a drug dealer junkie. I wasn't carrying shame around for like holding my daughter till she died or watching my mom pass away. Or my, I cleaned my dad's blood up the floor after he passed away. Like all these crazy moments that I'm so fucking grateful for. Being able to share that in a journey or other people share that journey with me, it's opened up all these beautiful doors. Like the podcast has been a masterclass on life. It's been a masterclass on relationships, it's business. It's all these things. I'm in Austin, Texas right now talking to you. I've just met you today. Like we just met over the weekend and it's because of the podcast. It's because of Isn't Todd. Isn't it crazy? Shout out Todd. I fucking love you, Todd, on Meltzer's team. Todd was able to connect us and now we're here and we're doing life together. So the podcast is amazing. And then the third thing I do today is a retreat business. We call it the Vortexes of Light. One of my best friends, soul brother, Lane Ballone. He's an ex-Green Beret, badass. You would never know it by looking at him, but he's just this dude, right? And he's so spiritually awakened, such a high vibing, conscious dude, works with plant medicines. He's still very structured though, because his special ops background, like special ops is unconventional mm -hmm. means of doing things. And so like you would, it's really weird. A lot of guys from the military end up doing plant medicines. Uh, a lot of guys from the military end up like shunning the way like the politics is and like all this stuff, like against the grain, right? And so we journey life together. We've been through Peru together, sitting with shamans. We were Tulum together, you know, doing fun stuff, working with DMT. And like, we, we do these shared experiences from what we learn. We bring it back to other people. And usually like quarterly, we'll take people to different places and we'll do things like plant medicines. We'll do ecstatic dance. We'll do breath work. We'll do thermogenesis, like all these things that will help you live a better life. And we've taken people on day one, on a Thursday, by Sunday, they've literally transformed in front of our eyes and they've healed shit they've, they needed to trauma-wise. They've stepped into their power. They've become better human beings. And it's not this fleeting moment where you go to like a rah-rah session and it's like, I'm excited. And then like by Monday, you're like, oh, I hate my life again. Because I've experienced it. It's profound life-changing things. And so that's the calling. That's like, for me, where I see myself making a mark and a difference in the world. But those are the three things that I focus on now. And I've just lived a freaking hell of a life, man. <laughs> <laughs> One hell of a story. Yeah. And anybody that's listening to this, go back and re-listen to what he's talking about. And the reason that I say to do that is there's so many little tidbits that you said in there that if you think about in the right way, it's going to help, one, you s reduce your expectations, two, surrender to what I would call time, surrender to the fact that our time is very valuable. We can literally die at any moment. And the, the third word you use there is shame. Yep. I haven't heard anybody bring up podcasting in that way. So on your podcast, on the episode we just recorded, I was talking about how I was sick. And what it makes me think of is like how I literally was like, yeah, I was shitting blood. I, for f like three or four years, hid that. Yeah. Even from those closest to me. What got me out of that was one, I moved in with Erin and she was like, you have problems. On the outside, I look healthy, but she's like, we cannot live like this because I would like be late to things and yes. like would hold her up from things and be like, I can't go just yet. Like my stomach is messed up. She's like, you need to figure your shit out. 
a lot of what I feel like was causing all that physical pain was too high expectations of not myself, people setting them on me and me believing those expectations. You need to get the job. You need to get the grades. You need to do these things. Like, why do I need to do anything? Why can't I just be me? Yes. Right. And then surrendering. I couldn't surrender. I was always had to be in control because what I grew up in was you have to control just every little outlet of your life. And then, so surrendering wasn't an option. And then the shame as a male we're talking about suburban and you're you're in Boston, which isn't necessarily, it's a different vibe, but Philly is much like the same way. Like yeah. grittiness, whatever. As a male, like you don't cry. You don't go to men's groups. Nope. Like what the hell is that? You nope. don't go, you don't have a tribe. <laughs> like you literally, everyone there hides everything that they're really going through. Yep. And the only time you really see things come out is when I played sports, sometimes we would get in the conversation, but really just everybody stays guarded. So go back to everything he just said, because one of the things is like life, and you show this greatly, and you still have a lot more to go, is that we, we live different lives in one life and they all serve a purpose. Now, what I want to ask you right now is, okay, you kind of outlined the past, yeah. right? And, and how it got you here today. Now, a lot of people what they really struggle with is going forward. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like we can all look back on our past and be like, okay, that's how that played a part in where I'm at today. I would love to learn a little bit more of, okay, you came to Austin, Texas. We, we dived into why you're here, but what happens tomorrow when you fly back to Atlanta? What are, what is kind of some of the things that are filling your cup up outside yeah. of your, it doesn't just have to be about business. It could be things you're doing to end the year, things oh, you're yeah. doing next year, wherever oh, yeah. you want to take this. <laughs> but it's really just like to inspire other people like, okay, you had this past, but now yeah. you're here and this is where you're going. Yeah. So I have a lot to look forward to, thankfully. Um, very lucky. Um, so Tuesday, I'll fly out in the afternoon, uh, get back to Atlanta. And my first stop is I'm going to pick up a new puppy, uh, awesome. name, naming him Paco. And Paco is a really interesting name. Paco was a word that was, you know, growing up, uh, you know, it was a derogatory term the kids in Boston would use sometimes. But when I found out what it, the, what it really stands for, it was in Peru. And I was in Peru back in March of 2021 on this, this journey with different plant medicines and with Lane and Steven and some, some other people. And uh, it was more military focused, like veterans went on this journey. And we met a Paco. And a Paco is somewhere between like a shaman and a mystic. It's like this really powerful person that can convey and, and produce healing for people in different ways. And the woman that was actually the main person that was running this, this uh, retreat place, one of her dogs, his name was Paco. <laughs> and the other one was Luna, Moon, right? And I was like, all right. And I just digested it, didn't really think anything of it. But I've been wanting a puppy ever since I left my puppy in the divorce. She's not a puppy anymore, but my dog in the divorce, Claire Bear. And names matter to me. And so I wanted something that, like, I could think of Peru. I could think of the kind of work that I'm getting into as, like, a healer, which was one of my superpowers was, you know, shown to me. But anyway, so long story short, I'm going to name the dog Paco, picking him up tomorrow night. And so that's the first thing I'm looking forward to. What kind of dog? Uh, he's a Siberian Husky, which nice. in Atlanta, Georgia, might be skeptical, but he's lived there. And so, because <laughs> that's a cold weather dog. But anyway, so um, so Paco, gorgeous puppy. I'll show you pictures off, off the podcast. But uh, can't wait to get him. And then uh, this weekend, I have this weekend off going back and have some plans with some friends um and then the weekend after i'll have my, my sons but looking forward because i have them you know half the month 15 days out of the month i will have uh my 40th birthday in december 
And we are doing part of one of the reasons why I came to this event at Mayan Warriors because I wanted to pick up some insights as to like what goes on because I want to throw like a local similar situation for my 40th birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be like a local burn, as they call it, for like Burning Man. But like we'll have ecstatic dance, we'll have, uh, you know, different events for people. And it's just going to be like the people that I love the most and love doing life with are going to be at this event. And it's going to be the second week in December, so like the 10th, 11th, 12th, because my birthday is December 29th. For my whole entire life, it's always been a pain in the ass for me and other people. So like Christmas, birthday, New Year's, it's not really an easy time to plan for. So I figured get people before they get all crazy for the end of the year. And so the 40th birthday is coming up. And then we have a retreat coming up in Q1 for Vortexes of Light where we'll take people maybe, uh, we were thinking Costa Rica, but there's a couple of different places we're going to go Think depending on you know travel and logistics and Corona and all that stuff. But just looking forward to the future, brother. Looking forward to continuing my own healing journey, which I'm still very much in from different therapies and modalities to get there. Very much advising people uh, through business, advising people through life, uh, being advised, like I'm a huge student first, and just really looking to soak the moment out of every day and have beautiful relationships, new, new and existing, more tattoos, more traveling, <laughs> uh, more plant medicine journeys. Oh, now we're talking. More, more now love. you're speaking my language. Yeah, brother. Uh, <laughs> more, and, and you know, the, the, the future holds a beach house. That's one of the goals, or maybe even Austin, Texas have something like just because I can go to these places and bring people with me and like just, I just want to like die happy. That's it. I want, I want to live the life that I wanted to live, love as much as I could, be loved as much as I could, set my kids up for success with big things like what you talked about. So one of my biggest plant medicine journeys taught me how to show my kids how to be emotional because as dudes, especially from mm. the Northeast, it was like, don't be a pussy, suck it up, whatever. Yeah. And like, especially in the military, it's a, that's actually what they say to you. <laughs> it's like, it's like as men. That's yeah. a life or death. So that yeah. that's, it's such a different dichotomy yes. though. Like yes. life is not war. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it's like, but Spiritual I love that you're war. going down into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but basically long story short, like, like being the best dad that I can be for my kids. And if I have future kids for them too, but like, it's basically how to show up for yourself, how to name emotions, how to convey emotions, how to be respectful, how to be empathetic. Like, like I, I run feel, us through like what that looks like. Yeah, because yeah. there are some parents that listen to this. So, like, what does that look like yeah. to even? Because that that takes vulnerability from you, and that's not necessarily hard. You're supposed to be like stoic and the and the male dominant figure yeah. of a family. So, I'd love to learn this because I hope to be blessed with children one day. But how are you going through actually doing that? Yeah, practically, what does that look I'll like? I'll show. You, I'll tell you. So, the biggest thing is vulnerability is divine courage. Like people look at vulnerability, and it's starting to come around in the consciousness of the world. Is like being vulnerable is powerful because it opens you up and it releases you from fear, releases you from judgment, your own judgment and fear. So now you're stepping into a higher vibration, higher frequency of being powerful. And like people are inspired by that because people have been through shit too. Like bullying, drug addict, dad, junkie, like people dying in my life. Like I've had crazy stuff happen to me, but when I tell these stories to people, it pulls their guard connects down them. and connects them because either they've been through it or they know someone very close to them has. And so that's the first thing I could say is being vulnerable is powerful, being authentic and aware of who you are and where you're at and being real with yourself. And like, if you need therapy, which we probably all do, go get fucking therapy, whatever the therapy is. It could be anything. It could be yeah. cold plunges. It could be meditation. It could be plant medicines. It could be whatever is in your wheelhouse. And then now you start to calibrate who you are and where you are. And then now you start to get real with yourself and true with yourself. And once you start operating in truth, the world fucking changes, man. And so now you're being true to yourself. You're being true with other people. People can see you. People like, this is who I am all the time. If I had a priest that I went to, this is the same way I would act yeah. with him. Like the same way I act in my significant other's relationships, people that I'm around closely. Like it's, this is what you get. And, and you know, it may be to 
much for some people, but like I've had to stop playing small because for a long time I was limiting myself. I'm like, I really want to say this and I really want to do this, but I'm embarrassed or I'm afraid of how I'll be received. I just said, fuck it. So that's the first thing. And then the next thing is in terms of like for me and emotions, like I've just started being able to name and convey my own emotions in the last few years because I've always bottled them up. All the crazy shit that I went through that I told you about, like I didn't process those emotions. And so on my journey, uh, there's a local girl here I want to plug you into, Nicole Leno. She's a consultant and a coach, but she's into all different kind of like things like tapping, EFT tapping, which is similar to acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And you, it's not, you just tap the meridian points on your body. And what it does is it releases energy and you can start like naming emotions and like that type of work cracked me wide open. Like I started crying about stuff. I didn't even realize it was bothering me as a kid. And so like just doing the work, you have to actually like put the therapy in. you have to put the work and put the effort, the reps. And so the one big thing I could say about emotions and dudes specifically is my sons are seven and five. And one of the first plant medicines I went on was uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And I set three intentions and it was to be and receive more love, to show up better for my kids and to work on my ego. I got my fucking ass handed to me. It was the hardest journey I've ever taken on plant medicines. I've done ayahuasca, San Pedro. I've done DMT. I've done psilocybin, all these things. And they're all great in their own way and they all have their own teachings. But I was so cracked wide open emotionally. Those emotions I had trapped for 20 something years or almost 30 years, whatever it was, more, all came out in two weeks. And I was, I was probably like depressed or whatever. Like I was crying every day. Like, and I was watching Disney movies with my kids. I was watching Moana crying my ass off. But what I learned was how to teach them what I was going through as a man, how to process emotions. So I would pick both of them up, one in each arm, and I'd be like, daddy's crying right now because I'm sad and here's why I'm sad. And so leadership through example, like this is why I'm crying, this is what's going on, this is what I'm feeling. As a man, we're gonna be strong, we're gonna be capable, we're gonna be in our masculine a lot, but we also need to step into our feminine because we all have it. Feminine is the creative, it's the stillness, it's the being, it's the love. And it's playing in these dualities, playing in the masculine and the feminine is, has been so powerful. And then just speaking these things to them and age appropriate, right? Like I'm not yeah. telling them I'm going to do a psychedelic, <laughs> like, but like, but they'll hear my story one day, right? So long story short is speaking the truth, being aware, being authentic and doing the work. And then just doing that as much as you can every day until it's just a way of life. Walk the walk. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's really what I take away from that. And it, it's a pleasure to hear that. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, because, I think that's what a lot of us lacked as as children. And again, when I think back to, we are at a time and a place where our parents, like the access to information just didn't exist. Yeah. So I'm very like cautious to put my issues on anyone else but myself because we're all raised in a different time. Now, the way that I take it though, is if I don't transfer the knowledge that I have now and the abilities that we have now and the resources we have now, then it will be my fault. And it really frustrates me that I feel like a lot of people are just following the same hamster wheel that we've been in, but the world is completely on a different wavelength. For now. sure. And that's kind of like what is cultivated here in Austin. And I'm very happy that it has brought people like yourself here, but we're getting close to wrapping up, unfortunately. We, uh, if you're listening here, Jesse has another podcast right after this <laughs> with an awesome guest. So we are hustling yeah, we are. here today. <laughs> and I love to hang around other people who know what that's like. So to end, I'd love to know a little bit about what you're actually struggling with today. Because yeah. I feel like, and this can go in any direction that you want, but I feel like a lot of people um, that listen to podcasts, and this was my struggle in the beginning, is like, okay. They have the story, yes. they get to the, they, they, they have this cool story, I relate to it, now here's where they're at, but 
we put this fictitious expectation on that person as if like they have it all put together. Yep. What are the bi- and you don't have to dive too deep. It's just sure. like what are some of the biggest struggles that you now have because as I like to say, the, the more things grow, just the bigger the problems yeah. that become, especially in business. So sure. what are some of those things today and how are you combating yeah. them? I would say there's two things. I would say uh, dark night of the soul and imposter syndrome, right? And so uh, I'll start with the dark night of the soul. So dark night of the soul is uh, a term that you can search on Google. And basically, whenever you go through some really hard stuff in life, you know, death, divorce, disability, all these, you know, a job loss, whatever, it can really cause you to go through a dark night of the soul. What a dark night of soul is really is just a lot of your foundational truths of who you are and what you've believed in the world you learn aren't real and uh, or, or weren't true. And so it's it could be an existential crisis kind of feel where it's like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing it? Why am and like, so you really got to hold true to your values, hold true to the people that are going to give you no bullshit, but that love you. And so for me, through this journey I've put myself on, it's really been a lifelong initiation, but really over the last two years, I've been called to do like some really deep inner work and been doing the work. And a lot of that will show you like where you're not showing up or where you're not, you know, where you need to be. And so it's not easy. There's this quote and I'll butcher it, but it's basically like the path to enlightenment is destructive. Like people Mm. think there's this, there's this segment of people that are in this type of stuff where like they get all woo woo and like, they're like, they're just really not in the now, like they're up in the clouds. You really have to come back down to earth when you do this type of work and like get in the trenches and like sit with the discomfort, sit with the unknown, sit with the, the feelings of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I serving people? Am I showing up? All this different stuff. So I'm, I'm processing that now and, and I'm doing it myself with the help of coaches and friends and all these different things. So that's the first thing. And then I would say imposter syndrome, which I feel like for a lot of times people get, especially as entrepreneurs, especially as like younger entrepreneurs in their entrepreneurial endeavor, where it's like they've been doing it for a couple of years. Sometimes they're like, well, am I a good coach? Am I a good mentor? Am I a good technician? Like whatever it is that you're doing, mm-hmm. right? You know, I haven't had many moments of that recently, but I still go through it once in a while. And I'm like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be doing it? Um, but really just holding myself in love and saying, you know what? I'm doing the best I can. I love myself. I'm, I'm doing what I believe the right thing is, and I play like I'm, I'm, I'm helping people. I think the rest takes care of itself. So I feel like both of those are just never ending because yeah. I'm always like, you have like the angel in you and the devil in you, yeah. and you're constantly <laughs> fighting that. And when you're an entrepreneur, like it shows up in so many different ways sure. because you have so much pulling at you in your life. And then the second one, imposter syndrome. This might help. One of the things that has helped me the most with imposter syndrome is a saying like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So if you're finding these rooms where you're constantly being challenged, like you're going to feel like an imposter. So like I switched from like, oh, imposter syndrome is this negative connotation to like, I always want to feel like an imposter. That means I'm on the right path if I feel like (laughs) an imposter, right? So a great example, I I brought up Michael Jordan on your podcast, but Michael Jordan won six NBA championships. How many has he won as an owner? Right. None. None. So he's a fucking he's, imposter. He's the, he's the worst owner. He really so, is. So like, <laughs> that's the thing. But he wants a challenge. That's ultimately what he's trying to do because like life gets boring if you're not being an imposter. Another thing is, for me, it brings this next level to your life yep. because you get to step into something that you're becoming rather than living in the past, which I think most people do. Just yep. like we were talking about in your journey to Boston. If you go back to Boston, like who are you? Yeah. And that's where I loved, loved, loved. I think my biggest takeaway on this podcast was how you were talking about get your mom telling you to get out. Yeah. And that's one thing I've preached here on the episode before. And get out doesn't mean you have to leave your city or whatever. It means get out of the job, get out of the relationship, get out of the 
the habits that you're creating for yourself that are self-destructive. Get out of the friend group. Like, just get out. Yep. Find ways where you could subtract so that you can add more into your life. And fortunately, the one easy way to do that across the board is to move. I've done that. <laughs> but... I would love to keep chatting with you for forever. Oh, yeah. Part um, two we, and three. We do have our friend Alex who's about to roll up, and yes. I don't want to keep her waiting. So the last couple things that I always ask is my whole journey with the podcast and everything, and we were talking a little bit about this, is uh, to inspire and to motivate, but also connect. I want to, if anyone heard your story out there and would really love to talk with you, chat with you, and and build a relationship with you, what is the best way for them to get in contact? If they want to get in touch with me directly, uh, Instagram, I accept all, all incomers. So at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E underscore T-E-E. So it's at Jesse underscore T. You could find the podcast, which is really great. Find amazing people like CJ and other people that have come on. It's the Jesse T Show. It can be found anywhere podcasts can be consumed. And then if you you know looking for more insight, I'm also on LinkedIn. So there's some business stuff I can plug you into people you're looking to connect with. So awesome. And then the last question that I ask everyone is: If I were to ask you, what does thriving mean to you? What do you think of? And this takes some time, but it does. It's just off the top of your head. One sentence, two sentence. Like you think of the word thrive or thriving. Yes. What does that mean? So there's this uh, belief out there that you need to be balanced in life. And this is spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, business, relationships, health and wellness, all the different buckets, right? But there's no such thing as true balance. You just have to be present. Like you have to show up in everything that you're doing. So if you only have an hour a day to train, train your ass off. Like, like be there, show up, be here now. And thriving is knowing that those things, like being okay with yourself if you're not... Um, fully giving to one thing. That, like just, just do the best you can in that moment. And then thriving also for me means also like just living the shit out of life. And like everything that you do, try to do it with love and passion and with joy. And if you can continually do things that light you up, you'll be thriving automatically. So, I love how you put that first part because it brings this whole thing home as to why this podcast even exists because I've struggled my whole life to like, other than sports, be zoned in yep. at a time and on a podcast like I don't know what's going out in the world I don't know who's texting me I don't know who's calling me I don't know anything but what we just shared here today so I appreciate you spending the time time is super valuable to me and man you flew in here and are spending your time with me so I'm super appreciative oh, yeah, to that and as I mentioned to other people out there one of my biggest takeaways was to move but more so to get out and the reason that that was my biggest takeaway today is because no matter where you're at in your journey right now as Jesse has shown like you can become a different person at the drop of a hat you can literally say hey I'm going to go to the military hey I'm going to get this new job hey I'm going to go in my case seek this new relationship with somebody that completely changed my world you can do it but nobody else can do that for you yep. ultimately that is just a fact nobody can do that for you so if you're listening to this reach out to Jesse He'd love to connect with you. Reach out to that coach. Reach out to the friend, the family member you need to speak with and get out of whatever it is that is holding you back. That's my biggest takeaway. As always, the best way that you can help me is go rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. Feel free to connect it with me on Instagram at cj.finley. I'd love to chat with you. But until next time, this is CJ with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. 
To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.